Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. The data analytics company throwing several major COVID-19 studies into question. How the pandemic has changed the way we sleep. Why shoe companies used to use x-rays to sell shoes. And South Korea's gift to the Navajo Nation. 15 U.S. states and Puerto Rico are seeing upward trends and reaching new daily highs in case counts, but much of that is believed to be due to expanded testing. Chicago has begun its third phase of reopening, which includes child care centers, although kids must be screened for signs of illness, and restaurants, but only for outdoor dining. New York City is looking to begin phase one of reopening on June 8th. Subways and buses will return to their usual schedules but still be encouraged for use only by essential workers and masks will continue to be required. Markings on the grounds in stations will facilitate social distancing and every other seat may be blocked off. Germany will lift its travel ban on European countries, including Britain and Iceland, on June 15th. Travel advisories will still be issued as needed and if a resurgence should occur, the bans could be reinstated. Italy also lifted travel restrictions today in an attempt, like many countries, to boost their crucial tourism industry. Japan, meanwhile, is looking to boost domestic tourism by offering people vouchers of up to 20,000 yen, or about $190, for hotels, restaurants, transport, and attractions as part of their newly announced go-to travel campaign. Again, that is just for domestic tourism, not for international travelers. Ibuprofen appears to be coming full circle. After fears early on in the pandemic that taking ibuprofen could exacerbate some symptoms, concerns which were heightened after France's health minister advised against taking it, saying it could aggravate COVID-19 symptoms, now a team from London's Guys and St. Thomas Hospital and King's College are beginning a trial to determine if ibuprofen can actually help with breathing difficulties associated with COVID-19. Quoting the BBC, In the trial, called Liberate, half of the patients will receive ibuprofen in addition to usual care. The trial will use a special formulation of ibuprofen rather than the regular tablets that people might usually buy. Some people already take this lipid capsule form of the drug for conditions like arthritis. Studies in animals suggest it might treat acute respiratory distress syndrome, one of the complications of severe coronavirus, end quote. This trial comes as the major study showing hydroxychloroquine to be ineffective has come into question. Both The Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine have issued expressions of concern and called for independent audits regarding that study, as well as another one conducted using data from the same data analytics company, Surgisphere. Quoting Science Magazine, Surgisphere, which provided patient data for two other high-profile COVID-19 papers, has come under withering online scrutiny from researchers and amateur sleuths. They've pointed out many red flags in the Lancet paper, including the astonishing number of patients involved and details about their demographics and prescribed dosing that seem implausible. It began to stretch and stretch and stretch credulity, says Nicholas White, a malaria researcher at Mahidol University in Bangkok. Continuing from science, Chicago-based Surgisphere has not publicly released the data underlying the studies, but today CEO Sapan Desai told science through a spokesperson that he was arranging a non-disclosure agreement that will provide the authors of the NEJM paper with data access requested by NEJM, end quote. 
Meanwhile, various studies and a WHO trial on hydroxychloroquine as treatment for COVID-19, which were paused in the wake of the news from the original Lancet-published study, are figuring out how and if to resume. While details continue to emerge about Surgisphere and the trials it has been involved in, this and the possible ibuprofen redemption arc are just a reminder of how little we still know and how even things that seem certain really, unfortunately, just aren't yet. According to preliminary results of a study of 1,600 people from 60 countries, 46% of people reported poor sleep during the pandemic. That's up from just 25% before the pandemic. Insomnia and vivid, weird dreams, both caused by the increased stress of the time we're living through, has been evident anecdotally and as indicated by a 14% uptick in sleep medication prescriptions. Melatonin sales, an over-the-counter supplement for the natural hormone that induces sleepiness, are up 44%. Philip Muskin, a professor of psychiatry at Columbia University Medical Center, said he's avoiding prescribing medications to patients, preferring to offer sleep hygiene tips. He's seen that actually staying asleep is the biggest problem for most people, and says some of the primary factors causing that is that people are lacking in structure and exercise. Staying active can help you sleep more soundly and boosts your immune system. Dr. Muskin also advises sticking to a regular sleep schedule and avoiding naps during the day. The good news, according to Kathy Goldstein, a physician at the University of Michigan and an associate professor of neurology at the school's Sleep Disorders Center, is that what most people are experiencing is acute insomnia, or, quoting the Wall Street Journal, having difficulty falling or staying asleep a few times a week for three months or less, end quote. A third of people will experience acute insomnia at some point in their lives, usually caused by some stressor in their life, like, say, a pandemic. The key, Dr. Goldstein says, though, is not letting the issue become a chronic one. Quote, It's important to avoid associating your bed or bedroom with a place where you're awake. Experts recommend that if you can't fall asleep or wake up in the middle of the night and are unable to go back to sleep after 20 minutes, get out of bed and do something relaxing. End quote. Natasha Buyan, a Phoenix-based family physician at One Medical, says most people's sleep problems right now either stem from a lack of normal schedule or general anxiety about the pandemic. Some tips she recommends? Mindfulness through meditation, exercise, or cognitive behavioral therapy. To maintain a consistent sleep schedule, turn devices off an hour before going to sleep and make your sleeping space a device-free zone. Consider even ditching your smartphone's alarm and getting an actual alarm clock. As for anyone experiencing vivid dreams or nightmares, Melinda Jackson, a senior lecturer at the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health at Monash University in Melbourne, says, quote, During times of stress, there's a release of neurochemicals that can trigger these vivid dreams and nightmares in some people, end quote. And Deirdre Lee Barrett, a dream researcher at Harvard Medical School, notes that waking up frequently throughout the night can also cause people to remember their dreams better, which could contribute to the sense that your dreams are more vivid than usual. Regardless of how exactly your sleep has been disrupted or why, here are a few more sleep hygiene tips to leave you with, quoting the Wall Street Journal. Eat at regular times rather than snacking all day. Avoid napping or compensating for a poor night of sleep by going to bed unusually early. 
Limit caffeine and avoid alcohol. Avoid electronic devices one to two hours before going to sleep. But if you do, use a blue light filter and try to look at content that is not stressful. Get bright light in the morning. Try to find a workspace that isn't in your bedroom and stop working at a specific hour and make time for relaxing activities. End quote. Whenever there's a new type of technology in the world, despite the inventor's best intentions, sometimes the general populace can take a while to figure out the best ways to use it. And I remember when tablets were first emerging, I genuinely thought that one of the most revolutionary uses would be embedding them in tabletops at restaurants as menus, which I thought was pretty cool, but would also have the unfortunate side effect of rendering waiters redundant. And I suppose that's happened a tiny bit in some restaurants, but... Wow, what a short-sighted vision I had of the potential of tablets. Cracked recently did a rundown of several strange ways people used new technology when it was first emerging, and my favorite one was regarding x-rays and shoe sales. Quoting Cracked, We first figured out how to use x-rays to take pictures of spooky skeletons back at the end of the 19th century. Then, when World War I came around, medics in the field used x-ray machines to look at seemingly endless numbers of potentially broken soldier bones. The x-rays that passed through the skin and muscle proved equally capable of passing through leather. Doctors would x-ray men's feet right through the boots, since there were way too many bones queued up for examination to waste time with such formalities as footwear removal. After the war, with no more injured patients lining up by the thousands, no one ever needed to take x-rays right through shoes. But they went on doing it anyway, because people figured out that taking x-rays through shoes was really, really cool. The foot x-ray machine was branded the shoe-fitting fluoroscope, and soon appeared in department stores with clerks urging customers to experiment with it and find what shoe fits best, end quote. Despite the fact that you still had to try the shoes on to use these fluoroscopes, so I'm not sure how useful they really were, these fluoroscopes were a hit in the 1930s. They were a small, almost podium-looking wooden box that customers would step into, and while they stood with their feet in a little hole, they could then bend over and look into one of three viewing ports to see the bones of their feet and the outline of the shoes. There were two other viewing ports facing the other direction for the shoe salesperson, and sometimes a parent if it was a child being fitted. Quoting the Oak Ridge Associated University's Health Physics Historical Instrumentation Museum collection, The machines generally employed a 50-kilovolt x-ray tube operating at 3 to 8 milliamps. When you put your feet in a shoe-fitting fluoroscope, you were effectively standing on top of the x-ray tube. The only shielding between your feet and the tube was a 1-millimeter-thick aluminum filter. Some units allowed the operator to select one of three different intensities, the highest intensity for men, the middle one for women, and the lowest for children. Most units also had a push-button timer that could be set to a desired exposure time, e.g. 5 to 45 seconds. The most common setting was 20 seconds, end quote. So, as you can imagine, this casual exposure to radiation started causing health concerns, and U.S. states began regulating and eventually banning the machines. While the jury is still out on how much damage was directly caused to customers by the machines, several salespeople faced serious injury, ranging from dermatitis to radiation burns, which in one case was drastic enough to require amputation. So, yeah, the fluoroscope is not the best example of creative uses of technology, though it is quite fascinating. 
But I will say, with the popularity of online shopping these days, like it would be kind of cool if we had some sort of safe way to measure our feet in minuscule detail to make sure that the shoes we're ordering online really fit well. We got some technology that's kind of close to that. I'm sure we'll get there before long. But hopefully with less x-rays. Ending today with an uplifting story, sort of, despite its grim overtones. South Korea's Ministry of Patriots and Veterans Affairs continues their humanitarian donations by sending 10,000 face masks and hand sanitizer to Navajo veterans who fought in the Korean War. This follows their earlier shipment of 500,000 face masks to general Korean War veterans last month, which was in honor of the 70th anniversary of the start of the war. They announced then that they plan to send shipments of face masks to veterans in 21 countries. That now includes the Navajo Nation, who has been disproportionately affected by the coronavirus. The nation has reported almost 4,000 positive cases and 140 deaths on the reservation of just 175,000. About 130 of the around 800 Navajo men who served in the Korean War as code talkers are still alive today and at their advanced age are at an even higher risk of severe complications from COVID-19. Kim Yoon-ji, a co-chairman of the committee organizing the shipment, said, quote, We hope our small gifts will console the veterans in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis. The government remembers those who made a noble sacrifice to defend a strange country 70 years ago, and we hope they will proudly tell their posterity about the choice they made so many years ago. In a previous statement, he added, quote, We will overcome the COVID-19 crisis when we stand side by side together. Quick update on the grocery store facts I mentioned last week. I said what I have long believed and what I read in National Geographic, that dairy items are located at the back of grocery stores because most people will have at least one dairy item on their shopping list, so many shoppers are then forced to walk the entire length of the store, passing tempting items along the way to get to the milk. Well, Matt A. on Twitter shared with me an old Planet Money episode in which food writer Michael Pollan and economist Russ Roberts debated just this idea. Is it true, or are grocery stores not as nefarious as we think, but rather milk is at the back because that's where the delivery trucks drop it off, and the closer to the refrigerators when it's delivered, the better, because stores don't want to break what they call the cold chain, preventing the milk from ever being exposed to room temperature throughout its distribution process. The episode talked to a number of grocery store managers as well as some consultants, and it turns out that basically requiring customers to walk through their entire stores to get there is just a convenient side effect. So thanks to Matt for sending that along. If you ever have anything you want me to check out to add to a story I covered, suggest a whole new one you want me to cover, or just correct my pronunciation on things, which will definitely happen... You can tweet those to me at jackisnotabird. Link will be in the show notes. No guarantees that it'll make the show, but I will definitely appreciate it. With all that said, I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand-ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia. 
Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See JDPower.com awards for 2022 details.